0: Family today, Mo and Chantel, former youth pastors of Bethel. Good to see you this morning. God bless you. Make them welcome this morning, would you? All right, the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter number three, this morning. And we'll begin reading with verse number six. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but notice, worked with labor and toil night and day, that that we may not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Verse 10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And you think Pastor Benson is tough. (laughs) For we hear that there are some who walked among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Paul says in verse number uh, 10 again this morning, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, that uh, not only is it a roadmap to heaven, not only, Lord, does it teach us how to get saved and get right with you, but I thank you that it's very practical and it tells us everything that we need to know to live our lives and live in victory. God, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon the message and the messenger today. Give us ears to hear the word. God, may we not just be a, a listener or a hearer of the word, but may we be a doer of your word, we ask. all we ask for the glory of God. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise you may be re this morning. Well, considering the fact that this is indeed the Labor Day weekend, I thought it would it would be appropriate to talk about what the Bible has to say about work. And how many understand this morning that God's word is absolutely filled with admonition concerning this subject of work. I'm glad that that God's word does not just tell us how to get saved. I'm glad it does tell us how to get saved. But listen, the word of the Lord doesn't just tell us how to get saved, but it also tells us how we ought to live our lives. And God's word is a very practical book. So this morning, I'm going to be very practical with you this morning. A little bit different type of message today. But I've selected five things that, that we need to consider about work. And I've taken all five of them directly from the Word of the Lord. The first thing I want us to notice that the Bible teaches us this morning, and that is I want us to talk about the requirements. Say the word requirement this morning. Why, well, some of you can't even get it out of your mouth. <laughs> Require... Well, Exodus chapter 23 and verse 12, God says six days a week you should do your work. And 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10 says that if anybody will not work, then he not, should not be able, to be able to eat. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul says to aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. I like that, don't you? Ah, he just said, hey, work hard and keep your mouth shut. That's what he's telling you to do. Amen. Aspire to live a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands as we commanded you. Notice the word command. I think it is absolutely abundantly clear that God requires us to work. Let me suggest this morning that nobody that is physically able ought to be exempt from work. No one, regardless of age. Children should be taught how to work. Three amens. I said children ought to be taught how to work. Listen to me, mom and dad, this morning you are doing your child no favor by exempting them from work. The fact of the matter is you are actually harming them when you provide for them everything that they need and everything that they desire and yet you require absolutely no effort on their part. You're doing your child harm. How I me mean, understand that toddlers can be taught to pick up their toys. Now, I know it will take them three times longer. I know they'll pull some out in the midst of them putting them back in. I know it's frustrating. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But toddlers ought to be taught how to pick up their toys. And then as the children begin to grow older, they ought to be taught to make their bed. And they can be taught to do dishes. They can be taught to mow the grass. They can be taught to clean the garage. And on and on and on. Children should not be given an allowance. Children should not be given an allowance. They should earn it. Some things they should do for free. Yeah, here we are. Some things they ought to be doing for free as their part in contributing to the family. They eat, don't they? So if they eat off of your table, there's nothing wrong with them cleaning up after the meal. And for most of you, that's just, you know, picking up the sacks from, you know, wherever you bought the meal and putting it in the trash. They've got a bed to sleep in, don't they? Well, if it's their bed and they're sleeping in their bed, mama, why in the world are you going behind them making their bed? Shame on you. They ride in the family car, don't they? So they should do some things just as their contribution to the family. Then there are other things that they could do and they could get paid for doing. They could learn the value of work in doing other things for money, for an allowance or for money or for a set fee or however that you set it up so that they can learn, hey, if I work hard, I'm going to get some money. Let me tell you, the parent that opens their wallet every single time their kid uh, has their hand out is doing his child no favor. We need to teach our kids at a very, very early age that there is no free lunch. Remember when my wife and I and our two kids moved to Midland, Texas to pioneer a church from scratch? I wasn't getting a salary because I was turning all the church, leaving all the church money in the church so the church could have some money to actually build a church. So I wasn't getting a salary. I had raised some financial support from some friends and supporting churches. Uh, that was a minimal amount. And then my wife went to work as well. And so I was working the church, my wife was working. And one day, one day the janitor at my wife's work quit. And they didn't have anybody to clean the bookstore, the Bible bookstore where my wife was working. And my wife said, "My family we'll we, we, we'll clean the store, we'll clean the store." So we took on the job. Well, we had to, you know, we had to file for a tax uh, number, sales tax number, and so uh, uh, in order to do that, we had to also have a name for our for our company. And so, so I decided, you know, there's there's four of us, Bensons that's going to be working, me and my wife and my son and my daughter. So so I got this great name, Four Bs Cleaning Service. So I gathered all the kids, I got gathered everybody around the table, I said, we're going to start cleaning the uh, uh, the Lighthouse Christian Bookstore, and uh, and, and we're going to pay, Chad, we're going to pay you, and Crystal, we're going to pay you, and Mom and Dad, we're going to get some of the money as well, and I, I, I said, and, and, and we're official now, we have a name, we are Four B's Cleaning Service. And my daughter, who was about 11 years old at the age, she said, I got a better idea. She said, why don't you name it Three B's and let me stay home. Tell yourself and mom and dad, if you don't want your kids still on your payroll at age 30, you better teach them how to work and you better teach them how to be responsible. Now let me balance this out this morning because some people, it seems like when I preach something that some people need to hear, they don't hear it. And then the people that are doing great in that, they overhear it. So let me balance this out this morning. Be fair, don't go to the extremes. Don't make slaves out of your kids. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, putting a ball and chain on your kid. I'm not talking about getting a whip out and making slaves out of your kids. But listen, teaching your kids how to work and help pay uh, part of their way is one of the best things that you can actually do for them. I, I'm, I'm so glad that my, that my mom and my dad taught me how to work. Oh, I wasn't really glad back in the day when I was a kid, but I'm glad today that my mom and my dad taught me how to work. I was a shoe shine boy at age nine. And that's a pretty good gig. Seven o'clock on Saturday morning, I had to show up at the barber shop and stay there until six o'clock that night until it, until it closed. And those guys would come in there and I would clean their shoes and they'd give me a quarter for cleaning their shoes. Some of them would give me a tip. I was a shoe shine boy at age 9. I was a paper boy at age 10. At age 10 I had a had 175 customers and and every day after school it was a Monday through Friday thing little bitty town in Oklahoma and every every Monday through Friday after school I would go down to the to the local paper office and I'd get my 175 uh, papers and it was about th- th- those papers were like four or five or on a big day they'd have six pages in that in that little local but I'd have to fold all 175 of those uh, of those uh, papers and then I'd have to get on my bicycle and then I'd have to go to 175 homes and throw their paper and I better have it on their front porch because if I didn't have it on their front porch some little lady going to be calling my boss and saying that little paper boy has left my paper out in the bushes shoeshine boy at age 9 paper boy at age 10 I had a lawn service at the age of 12 lawn service that's good money guys Amen, man, that's good money. And at the age of 12, I had my own little lawn service. And then at the age of 14, I went to work full time in my father's drywall business. And hard work never hurt me in the least. The fact of the matter is it was hard work, it was a good work ethic that sustained me and my wife in our early marriage and in our early ministry. In fact, if I had not been taught how to work hard when I was 17 and married and passing a church and getting $15 a week, it, meant it was that work ethic that I had, it was that drywall business that my dad taught me, it, meant it was that hard work ethic that I learned from my father Amen. that sustained us and helped us keep the wolf away from the door. Let me understand this morning, work provides self-worth. Work gives us purpose. Satisfaction accompanies the completion of a difficult task. When When I hung drywall, I remember the satisfaction that I felt when I drove that last nail at the end of the day. Because at 7.30 in the morning when I showed up on the job for that 16 1,700, 2,000 square foot house, that not one, not one sheet of sheetrock had been hung. But we began at 7.30 in the morning, just me and my brother. And when 4.30 came along, amen, we had sheetrocked the entire house. I want to tell you that felt pretty good. Satisfaction accompanies the completion of a difficult task. Hey, if I could get some change in some of the yahoos around here, I could get some satisfaction in my present job. (laughs) Just kidding. Let me let me say this this morning: the strong work harder than the weak, but everybody works. A child cannot do what an adult can. An older person cannot do what a younger person can. But all of us can work. And let me say this this morning. And I know this is the older crowd this morning, this first service. And I'm probably going to be, have to go out in the back door this morning, uh, uh, you know, to be safe. But even retired people ought to be working. Two amens from people that are not retired. Retired people ought to be working. Oh, oh! You may not have to punch a time clock anymore. You may not have to answer to a boss anymore. But as long as we are able, we ought to work. Retired people can do volunteer work. There's an incredible ge- uh, gentleman. I think he actually finally did retire from his retirement job, <laughs> but he was uh, uh, worked at uh, uh, at MCA Hospital. He was one of the volunteers there. He was in his 90s, 90s. What an incredible gentleman. And, and he was efficient. He did his job well. And he got there at 5.30 in the morning to do his job. And he's in his 90s. Well, I think we ought to be working even if we're retired. I don't know about the 5.30 part. <laughs> I think you've earned the right to sleep in, amen. Maybe sleep in all the way to 6.30 or something, you know what I mean? Amen. Retirees, they, 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 they can do work at the church. Yeah, they can do work at the church. They can help other people. Oh, oh, they, 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 can, they can do the work of prayer. Well, let's move on. Maybe it'll get a little more exciting as we go along this morning. Now, what's another thing about work this morning? Let's talk about the rebuke. Let me understand that God rebukes the lazy. God rebukes the lazy. In fact, Paul said, "If a man's not going to, he's not willing to work. Then he ought not be able to have the right to eat. No work, no eat." A Teenager said to his father, "said Dad, remember that you said at the beginning of the semester that for every A that I got on my report card that you'd give me ten dollars." Uh, he said, "Dad," he said, "I just want you to know I'm uh, I'm sparing you that expense this semester." <laughs> A frustrated mother said to her daughter, Are you lazy? Are you too lazy to comb your hair? Your hair looks like a mop. Her daughter said, Mom, what's a mop? Sixteen-year-old boy asked his father to buy him a car. His father said, I'll make a deal with you. He said, if you'll meet my three conditions, I will buy you a car. Son said, Dad, what are the three conditions? Dad said, well, first of all, you've got to have all A's on your report card. Second condition is, you've got to clean your room. You've got to make your bed every single day. You cannot be told one time and you cannot complain one time. And then the third condition is, son, you've got to cut that long hair. Well, at the end of the semester, the boy came back to his father and he said, Daddy, here's my report card. Look, Daddy, it's all A's. And Daddy, Daddy, I've, I've cleaned my room and I've made my bed all semester long. I've never had to been, be told even one time. And Daddy, I haven't complained one time. Daddy, Daddy, will you buy me the car now? And the dad said, son, you, you forgot about the third condition, said you haven't cut your hair. And the boy said, well, Daddy said, I've been reading the Bible, and I discovered in the Bible that Jesus had long hair. And the dad said, son, keep reading. You'll find Jesus walked everywhere he went. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells the story of a man that had three workers. And he gave each worker a different amount of money and then he sent them off to multiply his money. Later he called the workers in before him and had them give an account of what they did with his money. You know the story, too of the three doubled his master's or his boss's money. But the third man did absolutely nothing with the money that was given him. This man was lazy, this man was idle, this man was unwilling to work. You know the story, it made the employer boiling mad. So the Bible says that he took from the worker what he had given him and he gave it to the, to one of the other workers and then he demanded that the lazy man be punished. How many understand this morning? God is angered by the lazy and the slothful. You want to tick God off? Just be lazy and slothful. It doesn't go over real well with God. Well, you know, government today says you're not going to work. That's okay. It's okay if you don't work. Why, we'll just tax those that are willing to work and we'll give you some of their money. God says, you're not going to work? Well, if you're not going to work, God says, I'm going to take what you do have and I'm going to give it to somebody who will do something with it. Amen? Amen? Look at me in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 this morning. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30. Proverbs 24 and 30. The wisdom writer says, I went by the field of the lazy man, went by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, and there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Let's consider something else the Bible talks about concerning work. And that is... The regulation. The regulation. Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 and 3. On the seventh day God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day. He what? And then Exodus chapter 23 and verse 12. Six days you shall do your work and on the seventh day you shall rest. You shall what? You see, just as there are deadbeats who won't work, so there are people who work too much. Some people don't work enough, and some people work too much. Let me understand that our bodies were not made to work seven days a week, our bodies were designed to rest every seventh day, work six days. And rest on the seventh day. And that's God's design. That's God's design. Let me understand that it's wrong to abuse your body by overworking it. It's wrong to work all the time and neglect your family. It's wrong to work seven days a week and not take time to worship with the people of God in the house of God. Yes, friend, there is a time to work, but there is also a time to rest. Let me say this this morning. Just because you are not on the clock, just because you are not at work, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not working or that you are resting. Because some of you expend more energy when you are not at work than you do when you are. A single mother who not only held down a full-time job, but also taxied her kids all over town. Oh, taking them to sporting activities and piano lessons and school functions and church outings. Oh, she also cooked and she cleaned and she nursed her children when they were sick. And she was continually on the go. Oh, she was never stopping. She was never resting. It was like the energizer bunny. She just kept going and going and going and going until finally one day she found herself sick and all run down. So she goes to the doctor and she says to the doctor, she says, doctor, she said, I know the problem. She said, I know that I'm burning the candle at both ends, but please, please don't try and stop me. Just give me some more wax. (laughs) Friend, that's not God's idea. That's not God's plan. God didn't design our bodies to handle the stress load that most of us carry around these days. And and how many understand that most disease can be traced back to stress. God placed a regulation on our work. Six days a week we ought to work. And one day we ought to. Let's notice another thing the Bible talks about concerning Work. And that is the relevance. Now, now I talk a lot about that, and so I'm not gonna talk very long about that this morning, but I couldn't talk about work without talking about this, so, and there are people here that hadn't heard me at all. So, so, but how many understand that the average American today is unhappy at work? Statistics tell us that the majority of people that get out of bed and go to work every morning hate their job. The reason they are unhappy, the reason they hate their job is because their life's work doesn't line up with their natural or supernatural giftings. And so they are like a square peg in a round hole. Their job is not a good fit for who they are. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 and 11 in the New Living Translation says that God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve One another. I want you to notice three things in this little verse this morning. The first thing I want us to notice is the deposit. Notice the deposit. The Bible says God has given each of you, say, each of you. God has given each of you your gift. So nobody has been left out. A gift or gifts has been deposited in every person's. Like so nobody can say that they are not gifted but we are all gifted. Now some people have more gifts than others but all of us at least have a gift. Second thing I want us to notice in that little verse is the diversity. Notice the phrase here from his great variety of gifts. Say variety. He gives each of us a gift and he gives it out of his great variety of gifts. You see, I might have some gifts that you don't have and you might have some gifts that I don't have. God has a variety of gifts and we are all uniquely gifted. And the reason why we have a variety, God has a variety of gifts because there's a variety of jobs. There's a variety of tasks. In order for us to be fulfilled and satisfied and happy in what we are doing, then our life's work needs to match up with our giftings. And if our life work lines up with our giftings, uh, then then I'm not upset about going to work because I'm going to be doing something I'm good at. I'm going to be doing something that that's going to come easy for me. I'm going to be doing something, Amen, that I'm going to have some success in. I'm not telling you that, you know, if you get the job that is perfectly designed for you, that every morning you're going to jump up and click your heels and say, Woohoo! I get to go to work. Because it's still work. But it'll be so much better for you, and I believe that that is the design of God. I believe that even our personalities are a clue to our life's work. If a person has a choleric, aggressive, take charge type of personality, then that person needs to lead something. That person needs to lead something. That person will work best when they are in charge. On the other hand, the person with a phlegmatic, easygoing, slow moving personality like mine, That person will do better working for somebody. They'll work better working for somebody. They're looking for something that's slow and steady. Slow and steady don't get it for me. I can't handle slow and steady. Just not who I am, not my makeup. But but the phlegmatic person, they need something that's slow and steady. They need the routine task. I'm going to die if that's all I get to do. But that phlegmatic personality, they need those routine tasks. They need the nuts and the bolts of the operation. Now, understand that neither is better than the other. Oh, both are very, very important and both are needed. You need that choleric, you know, that'll dream that dream and that'll stand out and lead the charge and say, Man, this is the way we're going. Come on! But he's out in front. He needs somebody following behind him with doing, you know, the nuts and the bolts and the everyday routine and the everyday things, amen, behind him and doing the paperwork and doing all of those things. Amen, there's nothing better about the man out in charge, nothing better than the man following along, amen, doing their everyday mundane things. They're all very, very important. Both of it. It takes both of them to get the job done. Amen, it's just a difference in who we are. But we need to discover who we are and then we need to align our work with who we are and then we can be successful and enjoy our life. Well, that's a six-hour teaching. You just heard it in 30 seconds. All right. And then the third, notice the third thing in that little verse, and that is the demand. Use them well to serve One another. I'm talking about the relevance of our work right now. I believe that God wants our life's work to be relevant to the gifts, talents, and abilities that He has given us. I believe that God wants our work to be fulfilling and not just frustrating. Now, sometimes it's both. It is. I have a very fulfilling job, and sometimes it's very frustrating. Amen? Sometimes I want to pat people on the back. Sometimes I want to choke them. I wonder if I could do both at the same time. I don't believe it's God's will for us to dread getting out of bed every single morning and going to work. That being said, if you are miserable on your job, don't quit. It's amazing what people get out of my sermons sometimes. I'll preach 40 minutes and they'll go home. What did you learn? Preacher said, I need to quit my job. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not, I'm not working in line with my gifts. So I'm going to quit. No, don't quit. If you're miserable on your job, don't quit. Let me tell you something. Broke and unemployed is not all that exciting either. Keep working on your present job. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how, how unfulfilling it is. But keep on working at your present job until a, a God opens something up for you that better fits you. And only after God opens something up for you that is better for you, only then do you quit your job. Hey, maybe you need to take some night classes in an area where you are interested in and start the process of qualifying yourself For a job that better suits you. Alright, let's notice one more thing this morning. That the Bible tells us about work. And that is the reward. The reward. Hebrews 6 and 10. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Which you have shown toward his name. Revelation 22 and 12. Jesus said, behold I am coming quickly. And Jesus said, my reward is with me to give to every man. Notice Jesus said, I'm going to give it to every man according to his work. And the wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 14 and 23, in all labor there is profit. Let me tell you that. Hard work will be rewarded. It will. Hard work will be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. Hear me this morning dads, every time the alarm goes off before the sun comes up in the morning and you roll out of bed and you go to work in order to put a roof over your family's head and put food on your family's table, let me tell you this morning God takes notice and you will be rewarded for it. And hear me moms, this morning every time oh, you get up in the middle of the night to care for a sick child, every meal that you prepare for your family, every snotty nose that you wipe and something else that you wipe every day. (laughs) Amen. I'm telling you, God takes notice and you're going to be rewarded for it. Let me take a moment this morning, talk to employers this morning. If you're an employer this morning, reward your workers. If you're an employer, reward your workers who work hard. Give them an unexpected bonus. Steve, that would have been a great time for an amen right there. (laughs) Give them an unexpected bonus. Give them a day off with pay. Proverbs 3 and 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. I'll tell you something, employers. One of these days, we're going to stand before God. And not only are we going to give an account for what we did about our lives. But we're going to give an account as to how we handled and how we treated or mistreated our employees. And since I talk to the employers, let me talk to the employees. Get to work on time. Get to work on time. And, and here's another brilliant deduction. When you get to work, work. Some of you waste 30 minutes before you even get to going to work. When you get to work, work. Work hard. And stay until it's time to go. Amen? Yeah. Don't steal from your employer by wasting time. If you're being paid to work and you're not working, you're a thief. you just stolen from your employer. Because He's paying you to work, not just to be at work. And Jesus said that you can't even give as much as a cup of cold water to somebody that is thirsty, Jesus said. But what you're going to be rewarded, I'm telling you this morning, there is a reward, amen, for those that are willing to work hard. There is a reward for people that are willing to do what they ought to be doing. Amen, they're going to be rewarded in this life, and they're going to be rewarded when they stand before God on Judgment Day. Amen. Pastor Braden, would you come this morning? Let's review what we've learned from God's Word about work this morning. Well, Pastor, you were a whole lot more spiritual last week, man. Well, I happen to think if it's in the Word, it's spiritual. Amen? Amen? We talked about the requirement. God is so adamant about work that His Word teaches us that if you're not willing to work, you ought not be able to come to the table. If you don't work, you ought not eat. We talked about the rebuke. God God doesn't try and hide how He feels about the lazy and the slothful. It, It ticks Him off. It angers Him. He's not into laziness. He's not into slothfulness or sloppiness or slackness. And then we talked about the regulation. God commands us to rest one day out of every seven. Years ago, I was elected to a particular church. And after I was elected to the church, the church told me, they said, Pastor, they said, said, we only have one requirement for our pastor. Only one. I thought, all right, give it to me. It could be anything. I mean, what do you want? Perfection? Uh, miracles? Every Sunday? What is that? You want me to work 24-7? What, what? Pastor, we only have one requirement for our pastor. Okay, give it to me. We require our pastor to take a day off every week. It's required because we don't want our pastor Burn it out on us. Now, I was 21 years old then. <clears throat> if that had told me now, I would have said, okay, I'll take Sundays. <clears throat> no, I wouldn't. This is the fun part. Amen. We talk about the relevance. Our lives our life's work ought to match our God given giftings. You see friend if I tried to make a living as a mechanic my family would starve. In fact I'm so bad that if you're broken down on the highway and I come by just wave me on. <laughs> Keep going pastor. Keep going. Because if I stop and help you it'll get worse instead of better. My wife just said amen. That doesn't bother me in the the least. I also understand, on the other hand, if the mechanic were a lead pastor of New Bethel, New Bethel would be in trouble. I could have used an amen there. That would really help. Because you see, we all have our place, don't we? We all have our calling. We all have our niche. Amen. There's a place for all of us in the work and in the kingdom of God. And I think we got one of the greatest worship pastors in the country. He's awesome and incredible. I'll tell you something, though. If the toilet's unclogged or a breaker's switch, he's worthless. He ain't no good. <laughs> he can't help me. That's right. I don't even ask him want anybody else leading worship and parading on Sunday morning. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's wonderful. That's some mechanical job. I'm not calling him. I'm not calling this guy either. Well, I might call Johnny. I certainly call. I call Brad. Definitely call Harold. Well, what's more important? Well, it depends on whether you're having worship or you got got a commode overflowing. Yeah. We all have our niche. We all have our place. We all have our giftings. God has a place. He's designed us for something particular in our life. And we get our self-worth from work. A job well done gives satisfaction. And then we talked about the reward. The hard work will be rewarded both in this life and in the life to come. It's not just the missionary that's going to stand before God and because he had a crusade or he had a Bible school or people got saved and you get rewarded. And all the regular folks, they went to work every day, they got up out of bed, went to work, worked hard, put money in the missions offering, put money in the tithe. Did things around the church, but, you know, that's not important at not... No, no, no. Just as important as the missionary, the evangelist, the pastor. Just as the pastor will be rewarded, though, so will the people in the house of God who support the work of the Lord and roll up their sleeves and do the work of the Lord will be rewarded as well. Would you stand with me in the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today.